welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Mano, joined as always by Chris Bugay. Hi, Chris. Hey, Rachel. What's going on? Not much. What are we talking about this week? Well, I'm excited because it is um, at the time of this recording and at uh, when, when this episode uh, airs on the podcast, we'll have been into the school year for a little while now, and it is a perfect time to reflect on planning what you what might be some initiatives you'd like to start in your school district if you're listening um, and you work in a school district. Um, one thing that we've seen a lot of traction on over the years has been enviro- environmental core boards, right? Uh, often called playground boards. You know, someone will put out a a board that goes up in the playground or in the kindergarten, board, you know, area or something like that. Um, and I thought it might be worthwhile just to take a few minutes here if someone is thinking that to talk about some pros, some cons, some considerations, and and maybe get excited about maybe this is your thing this year. Like, maybe this is it. Like, okay, by the end of this year, you know, there's going to be this established in my school, you know? And uh, for anyone who might be thinking that way, I thought it could be good to, like, brainstorm some strategies. What do you say? I love this. And I just want to say, you know, I think that we all feel overwhelmed by you know, oh, all the things that we could do and all the things that we want to do and all the things that we have to do, you know, and I feel like this is something that could be a really fun thing to do and super impactful. So I feel like having kind of a goal at the beginning of the school year, like I'm going to do this this year um, is really motivating and inspiring. So I'm excited to dive into the details. And there's lots of evidence to support the fact that it can be done. Meaning, there's we've we've seen people post uh, their environmental core boards up on the Facebook groups like uh, uh, a- AAC for the SLP. Have you heard of that Facebook? Group? Um, I think everyone probably listening to this podcast has has heard of that. It has like what like forty thousand people in it now. <sighs> I, uh, I'm really joking because you know who the interview is today. We'll get her coming up in the podcast. Ooh, I forgot. <laughs> but yes, that was a, that was subtle, Chris. I like it. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there. Um, but yeah, so uh, people are posting and sharing that they have created these things. That said, sometimes in different social media platforms, I see people post and I like think, oh man, if if we had just talked it through with somebody, we could have maybe given you some things to consider that maybe you would have done differently. So for instance, I saw one posted someplace where it was, it was secured to a brick wall out on the kindergarten area. And when I saw it like secured to this brick wall, it had to be two to three feet off the ground. And I was like, can most kindergartners, can most people in wheelchairs reach the top of that board if they were going to use that board? Is there a way maybe we wouldn't bolt it into the concrete or brick siding? Maybe we could have something that is more adjustable. Maybe, for instance, instead of printing it on a hard, thick, uh, maybe piece of metal, uh, we roll it out, uh, we put it on a piece of mylar that is on a sign with like, brackets and then we could hang it different places or secure it someplace with velcro and you could roll it up and move it around or have have multiple not just one that maybe like a piece of sheet metal that it's printed on is um and secured in one location maybe that's more expensive than a mylar one that again you could be 
maybe more cost effective and you could roll up and move if you decided you didn't want it there you need to be like geez we need to lower it lower it or we need to raise it if it was built with a material that was more flexible and adjustable but still durable um again we could probably not be so uh tied into one decision about where we decided it should go what do you think i love that and i feel like it's like sometimes everyone has the best of intentions but they don't really think everything through right like the idea of having something where like kindergartners can't reach that like that feels like a problem um so i think that you're bringing up really good points and also what you're really good at chris is thinking about accessibility right like how can we make this accessible for everyone and i feel like these are important things to kind of think about when you're embarking on any anything that you're doing right but especially in a situation like this Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing you got to ask yourself is, okay, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm putting one, into, and yep, we're going to put it on Mylar instead of a, uh, and we're going to be able to move it around if we need to and move it in different places. But what is it going to be? Meaning, what are the actual words going to be? Um, because again, if you were to go back, go and look uh, up these playground boards or environmental boards, some people have different vocabulary on there than other people. And it's, I, I'm always fascinated by the thought, again, the thought process. How did you choose which words would go on this, uh, on this, this tool? Um, what do the symbols look like? Did you, did you pick random symbols or did you use symbols that uh, reflect some of the AAC tools that might be being used in your environment? And then of course the, the other thing is like I had mentioned it being, attached to a wall but what if it wasn't attached to a wall what if it was on two posts or on a uh, a fence so you could see both sides can you utilize both sides which maybe um could that maybe change what words go on there so i don't know what are your what are your thoughts about the words and using both sides of the uh, of the board I like the idea of using both sides because, you know, it feels like wasted space, right? <laughs> um, so the idea that we could have a front and a back, I feel like is really great. And as far as the words, I mean, I guess it just depends on what the situation is, meaning like, what are we actually going to be utilizing? The nice thing about core language is that it can be used in lots of different situations. It doesn't have to be in one specific context. So of course, I'm biased to think let's have a lot of core language on that board and make sure that we have lots of opportunities to practice um, kind of seeing it and then modeling it. Because again, core, core language can be used throughout a student's entire day. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, uh, again, maybe 80-20 is a good rule there. 80% of it is core language. Maybe even start with a larger version of the home screen of a common app, but then you can customize that, change it uh, to add some maybe fringe vocabulary around the edges uh, of some of the uh, the key vocabulary you might experience in that environment. So again, if you were out on the playground, maybe it Maybe it does. It would be okay to have around the outside uh, of the core vocabulary that's at the center words like swing and slide and um, um, and I don't know what what are some other words on the playground. Why am I blanking? I don't know. <laughs> you know. I'm like I'm uh, thinking about nouns. Of course, I'm thinking through core. I'm like go more different. We could also think about some maybe like I don't know. I'm thinking like yeah adjectives like uh and like specific also like 
social language because I feel like one of the nice things about a playground is that there's social opportunities there. And again, it's it's hard when you have to kind of go up to a board to then socially communicate. But I feel like, you know, that was fun. That's jumping out to me as something that would be really fun social language or like, you know, let's play, let's play. Something like that uh, for social opportunities I feel like could be really good. Okay, so now you have your board and you've picked out the words and you've uh, placed them on there and you've created it. This is the next thing that I think maybe a lot of people think they're done there. Like, well, we put it there, it's done. But really the next step is, and we know this because so many of the pictures are difficult to understand what those pictures are if you don't if you don't read, right? So if you cover up the text and you say, uh, a quick little example is take a piece of tape, put it over all the words, and then say, all kindergarten teachers, come here. What's that picture right there? They're going to have all these different things because they won't know what that picture is, which means once the board is created and it's out there, or not even once, like you can do it in conjunction as it's being built, um, is what does the instruction look like about teaching what those words mean and how do we use those pictures, right? What do the symbols mean? What do the words mean? And how do we use it um, needs to be the next part. And uh, thoughts on that? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to be pretty strategic. And I'm also like thinking like I'm kind of thinking like three steps ahead. I'm like, and then how do we support this like in a really streamlined way so that like we have like a core word of the week or like something like that. And we teach people how to integrate it, right? Because we can have the best tool in the world, but if we don't teach people how to utilize that tool and integrate, you know, modeling and things like that, then we're not going to be as successful. So I feel like there's so many different things to kind of think about. Well, and let's talk about that. Okay. So yes, we have to teach people how to use it. Who are we teaching? We got to teach the teachers how to use that. And who's going to teach the teachers? Well, the speech therapist, but are we saying the speech therapist is now going to do a lesson in every fifth grade classroom, every fourth grade classroom, every third grade classroom. That seems like a lot of time to teach and do that every year because there'll be new students that'll be coming in. And so you have to keep that training going. Um, already it sounds overwhelming, can't do it, but maybe there's a better strategy. And that is, what if we taught a group of students how to do this? What if they were the communication ambassadors, the communication committee, that came down, work with the speech therapist um, or, or other teachers. It doesn't have to be the speech therapist. It could be whoever's invested in doing this, right? Um, but then say, okay, communication committee, we're going to put together a little per training and that, that is a professional learning experience for, um, for other students and for teachers. And you're going to go and spend a few minutes uh, during, uh, during a certain block of time to talk about these boards and how they're used and show the pictures and develop what that professional learning experience is like, that, or just that educational experience is like for teachers and for students, but led by other learners, led by other students. What do you think? Of course. I mean, why are we putting all of the work on our shoulders as adults and educators, right? We know that kids learn way better from other kids than they do from adults. So this feels like a win-win situation that also builds capacity with peers and creates a culture on AAC. Um, so I feel like it's just like wins across the board. Yeah, I feel like that communication committee could then also, besides just doing these educational experience for other students and for the teachers, 
They could also maybe, maybe be in charge of cleaning the board and creating mini versions of the board that get placed around other environments. Like, geez, where else do we need a board? How about in the cafeteria? How about in the hallway? How about over the uh, near the library? How about we get one at the top of the slide that's a smaller version? Because you're... how? <laughs> it would take some effort to... Remember what you want to say, get down the slide, run over to the board, say the thing, and then go back up to the top of the slide, right? What if there's a tunnel someplace and you're in the middle of the tunnel? Could there be one in there? Again, this communication committee of, of students, a student-led communication committee, could be the ones that are creating these, laminating these, deciding where they go, repairing them when there's breakdown, and become part of the creation of the culture around learning language using these AAC tools. I love it. I love it. I love it. I feel like, you know, giving kids an authentic purpose uh, is really important and we don't do that enough in, you know, the teaching that we do. And so I feel like, you know, teaching and then kind of letting students problem solve and do all of those skills that we're really trying to teach students. Right. Um, it's just so important. And again, like, can be exciting for kids to kind of take the lead and be like, I'm a part of something. I'm a part of something that's really important, you know? And I think it's, yeah, I think it's great. Okay, well, with that, then, would the next extension be many schools already have maker spaces? And what I mean by that is a place where people might come and design and create something, or classrooms themselves might have maker spaces, or just even if you don't have a space, you might have a maker mentality. And that could then lead into creating things for AAC for a specific individual user, like a key guard that might go on an iPad or some other tool, um, designing one, 3D printing one, creating one on your own. What do you think? I think that sounds perfect. And I think it leads perfectly into our interview today, Chris. You are, you're so seamless with the transitions. <laughs> yes. So who you're about to hear in the interview is Christine Bodden, who uh, has been working with Ken Hackbarth and her son, Michael, who's been on, Michael might be the one who's on the podcast the most over the years. Uh, he's definitely been uh, someone we've interviewed on in the past with his work with switches, but now he's in college and he's working on additional, well, I'll let him talk about it in the interview. I won't spoil it now, but I had the great pleasure of interviewing the three of them and talking about their initiatives around volkswitch.org and how they're they're using uh, their resources and their um, their talents to create 3D printed key guards and beyond. So without further ado, let's listen to Chris's interview with Ken, Christine, and Michael. Are you feeling stuck in how to get started with AAC? How do you figure out which AAC system to choose? My course AAC Ally will be open from October 19th to October 29th, 2022, and I would love for you to join me. This is a three-hour self-paced course that goes through how to get started with AAC assessment and how to get the whole team on board. You'll see videos of me doing actual evaluations and parent coaching, along with tons of AAC resources I use every day in my practice. To learn more, go to bit.ly backslash AACLI. All 
Welcome to the Talking With Tech podcast. My name is Chris Bouguet, and today I'm here with three special guests. Uh, let's see, rather than me trying to say your names and messing them up, I thought we'd just go around Robin and introduce ourselves. So Christine, do you wanna start? Sure, my name is Christine Bowden, and I am a speech and language pathologist. I live on Long Island, New York, and I'm in private practice. I specialized in AAC for the past 25 years. And I also um, started the Facebook group AAC for the SLP. So that's me. Fantastic. And Christine, you've been on the podcast before. We've had interviews before. You're uh, um, sort of famous in the AAC world. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we were. I was on the podcast once with my son, Michael. So I'm uh, happy to be here again. And I listen to you guys all the time. I love you guys. And there's Michael right to your left. How's it going, Michael? Yep. Hi, how are you? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Michael Spinagaitis. I'm uh, Christine's son. So we're mother and son team a little bit. Um, I'm going into my third year, my junior year at uh, Cornell currently. Um, and I was actually interviewed uh, by Chris um, a while back at ATIA, I believe in 2019, um, when I talked a, bit, a little bit about um, an organization I founded in high school named uh, Jericho Daps Toys. And so I could talk a little bit about that later, um, but I'm super thankful to be talking here a little bit more about uh, key guards and 3D printing, which is a little bit outside uh, the scope of what I've done in the past with you know switch adapting and toys. And um, there's a little bit more we're gonna be talking about, um, but that's a little intro for me. Fantastic. So Michael, real quick, let me just tell you, just got back from vacation with my family. We were up on uh, Lake Cayuga uh, in Aurora. We drove right past Cornell. My son is a um, going to be a senior in high school this year. And we we're like, he wants to get into veterinary science. We were like, Cornell, what do you think, Cornell? And he's like, mm, kind of expensive, Dad. Maybe I'll just stay here in Virginia. But we were this close to uh, to visiting Cornell ourselves. Oh, okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. Now we have a third guest new to the podcast. Ken, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Ken Hackbarth and I'm the president, founder, and uh, chief chief employee at uh, Volkswitch.org. Um, I also came very close to going to Cornell. Uh, I was interviewed by some, some uh, person who had had attended Cornell uh, for their architecture program, but I told them my goal was undersea architecture and I didn't hear back. So <clears throat> apparently that wasn't in their, uh, in their plans. Uh, so anyway, uh, Volkswitch, I, I formed it. It's a, it's a nonprofit, well, it's a for loss company, um, basically a web presence that is devoted to the democratization of assistive technology uh, through the power of 3D printing, which I think uh, can bring manufacturing and development of, uh, of assistive technology into the hands of, of uh, any individual. Um, the nice thing is that, tech, that 3D printing is, is, a, is a technology that allows you to create one-offs very simply. In fact, it's its whole purpose in life is to create something and then create something else on the very next time you use it. So it really lends itself to a, a domain, a market, whatever that uh, that has very specialized needs uh, for on an individual basis. Uh, 
not uh, so everything that comes out of a 3D printer can be unique. There's unlike mass production that requires there be a, a uh, manufacturing line that produces one thing that has to hit a sweet spot in the market. 3D printing can produce, uh, there is no sweet spot required for 3D printing. Uh, it's inexpensive, it's easy to do. It can be, you can do manufacturing in your home and uh, or in your practice, and you can bring the end user right in to help uh, ensure that whatever is produced meets their specific needs. And includes, uh, you know, both uh, can be highly personalized as well. So, Ken, everything you just said there, I could not agree with more, right? I, I'm very uh, interested in 3D printing. I've explored it on my own and it's become an interest of mine as well for all the exact same reasons that you just described. And one of the reasons we brought, we're all here together today is to specifically talk about key guards. So something that is in my line of work is uh, we have students with communication devices. We would have, some students might require some sort of key guard. Let's say their finger wasn't exactly hitting the cell that they needed and their finger might be able to fall into a cell if it had a little bit of a guard around it. Or uh, for those who might have visual impairments, they could count over a number of cells, but on a, on a, on a blank screen, just a flat screen, it's hard to know where you are on the grid um, counting over from the edge, but counting the number of cells could do that. So there could be waypoints put onto a key guard. And my experience with key guards has been, well, all right, you answer, you go to a website, you answer a number of questions, and then you purchase one that is laser cut. Um, so there'd be a, a some sort of plastic that gets put through a machine that cuts out the the grid that you need, and you purchase that thing for somewhere in the ballpark of eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars. That could all range, you know, uh, depending on the specifications, and all of that's fine, except then you get it, and oh rats, I measured it wrong. Or that's not the exact size that I needed. Now I'm out $80 to $150. Or um, we got it and it's working for a little while, but sometimes kids can be rough at it. They can be picking at it. And oh, now the little a little piece in between part of the grid snapped and broke and it's sharp. And so when the kid puts their finger in there, they might cl clip it. And again, now I have to go buy another one for $80 to $150. And am I describing the problem that you're attempting to work at? <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, the the idea that it's so inexpensive to produce that same keyguard on the on that printer, if there's something you do need to change, it's you're encouraged to iterate because of the low cost and the quick turnaround. Iterate until you get something that does meet someone's needs. If it breaks, you just make another one for that same low cost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Michael and Christine, have you had this same experience? Yeah, I mean, um, I certainly have. I was nodding my head like crazy. Um, I tried my best to come up with the correct uh, specifications when I ordered the laser cut. And uh, I thought I had, you know, a lot of experience. <laughs> and then I came back and I couldn't even get my finger in the hole. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So um, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I definitely also agree with you that key guards are really important. And I, from being out there in the field, you know, I work with many school districts and I see many children and so many of these kids would be able to use um, a larger grid set with more symbols if they had a key guard. And we know 
that um, choosing a grid set for those uh, applications that have multiple uh, grid set options, choosing a grid set with the smallest symbols that the individual can both see and touch um, is really best practice, you know, uh, because it's easier, right? It's easier. We don't have as much navigating, et cetera. Um, but so that is something that is really, you know, very important. And unfortunately, without a key guard, some students, they have, they, they miss hit. So then the therapist, whoever makes that decision, ends up choosing a smaller grid, guard, a grid with larger symbols. So having a key guard can make such a significant difference in the type of grid that is chosen. And not only that, I think sometimes it's also really helpful just as a guide. I mean, if we look at um, at the past, uh, I mean, when I started out, I was working with liberators, you know, uh, from PRC, which um, was a static type of device. And on that was a key guard. I mean, key guards were just, a, they were part of devices. And suddenly with the iPad, they no longer are part of devices. But I really find that um, that more people really should be considering them. And um, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful to Ken who has, who has made this, who has volunteered so much of his time to make this possible to 3D print key guards. But um, at the same time, and I'm sure we'll get into this of how we kind of connected, um, one of the problems that I had was that I couldn't figure it out, you know, how to make my own on a 3D printer. I mean, that's a little overwhelming to me. So um, that's kind of how we ended up um, connecting. So I'm not sure if you, if, if you want to talk about that, you know, well, let's talk about it from this angle, Christine. So the, the, the term easy, 3D printing easy is really relative because the more, like, just like anything, you know, if you're a tennis player, you're like, well, tennis is easy, right? Well, actually you put a lot of time into figuring out how to, how to do it. I would say it's easier than 3D, than, uh, than, um, laser cutting, right? Um, in that the fact that it, the analogy to print, uh, uh, printing on paper holds true, right? There's a file and you then you so you create a file and you send the file to a printer and then you print it and i had the same thing ken so let me just talk through my experience of like all right here's what i'm going to do i'm going to print these 3d key guards and i'm going to put them on our ipads and then i'm going to have whenever someone needs one we're going to print one and i ran into christine i see you smiling there a number of questions and problems that i i didn't realize it was it, it became more complex um and so, so for instance I went to go 3D print and uh, there was all these sorts of questions. I had to measure it exactly. Uh, and I wanted to get the um, the speak display. So on an AEC device at the top, you, uh, top of most devices, there's a blank white space that you might hit to say the message you composed. That might be of varying sizes. The cell sizes might be varying. And then some students might have um, the width between the cell sizes would be, would be different. And then I've got all these sorts of different cases that they might go in. Then how do you secure them to the cases? Because the cases might have, um, some might have straps, some might need to, to be tucked underneath the case rather than strapped around it. And there was all these little variances that were, that were plaguing me about measuring it and get creating it the right way. That, and let me just add one more to that is, okay, I think I've got something, a prototype, I just want it, like you said, Ken, reiterations, right? You don't have to get it right the first time. It's cheap enough that you can make mistakes and just kind of figure it out. Well, one mistake that I found is that the 3D printers that we had in some of the schools, we were didn't have a bed size large enough for the iPad. So it'd be like, 
oh, I thought I could print this on this thing, but I didn't. So, um, so I need something bigger, or I'm going to have to figure out a way to make it in two sections and put it together in some way. And all of it started to escalate on top of a job I already have. And I also thought, Ken, and Michael, this is maybe where you come in. I don't have to figure this out. I have an army of students <laughs> that are working in this field of, of uh, engineering that could be like, let me give you an authentic problem. Because a lot of the 3D printing that happens in our schools is like, make this doodad, you know, like, here's a thing that you make just to make it, but it's not really solving a problem. It's just like, create this thing. So like, here's an actual problem that an actual engineer might actually try and solve to help actual people. And then that became kind of, kind of convoluted because now trying to organize students who are already working on projects and their own learning became a thing. So again, bringing that all back, Ken, something about your website is that you have a number of these solutions already worked out. So that's that's sort of where I am with 3D printing. Ken, do you want to talk about like what your website's like and, and just comment on what I mentioned there? Well, what you mentioned there is sort of the end result of a collaboration I had with Christine. So my website is all about me empowering others to do things. And uh, I'm sorry you had so much trouble uh, specifying what it was you needed. Uh, hopefully some of the designers that I built make that a little simpler, that you're just choosing things from lists, kind of like a website, but again, very, very little um, monetary investment required. Um, but my goal as a as a designer of designers, a creator of these designers, is to ensure, try to ensure that the people who use them don't have to be makers. They don't have to be engineers. They don't have to be um, coders, uh, software software engineers, or or people who have a long history in three D printing, because that's not a that's not a complete requirement. Uh, even though this is 3D printed stuff. So I try to target uh, my, my creations toward therapists, uh, caregivers, individuals with disabilities, not makers. Um, but I also say, you don't have to know anything about 3D printing because there are other places you can get things 3D printed. Uh, you can get them at your local library. You can get them, if you're within a school system, there are STEM classes that, yeah, they'd love to be able to do something real rather than produce another, I don't know, uh, Yoda head, something. I'm not sure what they do on those when they're not creating something real, another keychain, um, something that actually has value and will be used by someone. But then I can say that I, I met Christine through her, through her uh, moderation of AAC for the SLP uh, group on Facebook. Um, I just wanted to get out there on, on that group a uh, notification that I was making a presentation around key guards and how to make them. And Christine said, you know, you really, you really should have some things that are ready to print so people don't have to use your designer at all. And I said, okay, but I'm not going to do that by myself. Um, I need you to do some things for me. First of all, get me all the software that you think is really important. I don't want to be buying licenses to all those things. Um, tell me what cases 
I should be looking at? And most important, when there's a problem, when there's a decision that has to be made, you have to, the buck has to stop with you. I don't want to be making those decisions. You're the one with all the experience, not me. And she agreed to that. And so now we have a section of the website that's devoted to uh, downloading, ready to print. These are STL files for people who are familiar with that. Uh, for a variety of uh, tablets, mostly iPads 7, 8, 9s, which all have the same uh, footprint. And then uh, a variety of cases, collection of apps that are very common, and configurations for those apps. Uh, and then I said, boy, I, I would really like to have a place people can turn to if they don't even have access to a 3D printer. And I've been thinking about maybe finding someone on Etsy who could do that. And she said, I know someone. I know a guy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Who, who might that be, Michael? <laughs> oh, it, it might be me. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I created um, an Etsy store a while back when I was, um, you know, making the organization in high school, uh, Jericho Adapts Toys. And the goal of that organization was to make um, switch adapted toys and other assistive technologies, you know, accessible for um, people with disabilities, like in and around, you know, my area, which was Jericho. That's the town um, I grew up in. And so, you know, that was like a great experience um, in and of itself. Um, but I also wanted to make like an Etsy store um, to kind of sell, you know, some toys and then eventually some key guards, which we're talking about now, um, to people that were interested. Because um, since I've started, you know, I've gotten orders from all over the world and people that, you know, were interested and wanted to, you know, gain access to this at, you know, a more like affordable costs than what might be found commercially. And so, I think this collaboration was really important between my mom, Christine and Ken, um, because, you know, they kind of brought together, you know, a really important idea, which is, you know, key guards and making them accessible, because like you said, key guards could be so expensive. And so 3D printing at all this, you know, puts it all together. And like Ken said, you don't need to have your own 3D printer. You can go to a local library. A lot of them have 3D printers now or a college or a high school. Um, a lot of them have 3D printers and you can just bring your files in from Ken's website and, you know, directly print them. It only takes a few hours, you know, about six to eight to maybe even 10 hours for a key guard, which is amazing because you can bring it in and get it on the same day. And so that's what I'm doing here on my Etsy store um, with Ken's designs, um, all of his designs for the iPad 10.2 inch, which is the seventh, eighth or ninth generation iPad. Um, and for all the really popular apps like ProLoco to Go, Touch Chat, um, and so many more that, you know, my mom and Ken can talk more about in a little bit. Um, I also offer these now um, on my Etsy store um, for people that are interested to purchase. And this includes the key guard um, themselves and then also the actual case to come with it. And so um, it's also like a bundle listing. So for people that have, you know, the apps and have the iPad, but don't have the case, um, they can, you know, buy the case and the key guard in one and, um, you know, purchase it together. And so as long as they have, you know, the app, they can, you know, get the order and, you know, just run with the key guard um, and the case together, which is amazing. And so this store, as I mentioned, was named um, Adapted Creations. It's all one word. So A-D-A-P-T-E-D-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S on Etsy. And so, you know, if there are any viewers that are interested, um, you know, we do sell these key guards. Um, and also it's been, you know, great working with Ken because we hope in the future to maybe even design some key guards and have some custom orders. Um, but right now we're starting with the 10.2 and it's been an amazing experience so far. 
let me just try and summarize everything here because the the key word that I'm hearing from all of these conversations is options. Meaning, if uh, I, I know I want a key guard, I could go over to volkswitch.org, look through the list of what is presented there, and essentially it's 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 a list, right? I mean, you kind of scroll through and be like, all right, what iPad do I have and what case do I have? Let me find a match. Oh my gosh, that's matches exactly what I need. You can download the file for free. And if you have access to a 3D printer, that is of the, the right size that will print it. Just boom, you print it just like you might print a PDF on a on a paper base. Does that sound fair and accurate? Yes, it does. But then the next option would be, ooh, I have I have something like that, but I don't have that exact same case, but I do have that app. Um, I want to download something that's close, and then I can take that STL file and put it into a software that allows me to change it, um, move, maybe make it a little larger, a little smaller, customize it for my needs. Is that also fair? No, that's not fair. Okay, what's what? Tell me more. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately STL files really don't lend themselves to to modification. Uh, they're they're really like a, a static printed piece of of paper. You're stuck with that. You can use some whiteout on it, maybe. They're all really tiny little things that you could change about a, an STL. Uh, so you would really want to go back to using the designer. And uh, the designer, again, is just choosing options. So you would choose a different set of options. Or you would say, oh, you know what? My case has an opening that's a little bit wider than this one. And I don't want the key guard sliding around. So let me just say it's, it's this wide instead of the original width. Change that then uh, create an STL file and print that. Gotcha. All right. So Ken, let me just clarify that for a second. When you say the designer, I, I feel like there's two options there. There's a person who helps you design it, or there's software that helps you design it. And are you meaning the person? Yeah. As an introvert, I don't talk about people. So only the, the software designer. The, so it's a, it's a software-based designer uh, written in OpenSCAD. Okay, so is there a tool that you use? What's yeah. the what's yeah, so the name of the tool? The tool is called uh, KeyGuard. Of all very creative names, this, this is the kind of thing when you're when you're creating things, you make you make decisions early on in the process that you have to then live with forever. Um, so this thing was simply called KeyGuard. It's, it's a file KeyGuard.scad. And then I said, well, I'm going to have future versions of this. So now it's just KeyGuard and some version number, .scat. So, uh, yeah, that's the name of the designer. I have several designers on my website for different purposes. Uh, the purpose, the value of a designer is it allows lots of customization uh, that you simply can't get by taking an STL file and somehow modifying it with some other software like using Tinkercad. Well, this is okay. So this is, I'm still missing something here because I'm familiar with Tinkercad and maybe that's probably, I'm going to make a, a sweeping statement here. That might be what's used in most schools, right? It's free software that you could, uh, especially elementary, middle, like an introductory to designing 3D objects might be Tinkercad. Um, so I could, I could go into Tinkercad and create a file to make a little ball, Yoda head, the key keychain, all the other stuff we mentioned is, is, so that's the software. What's the software? That's the software title is Tinkercad. What's the software title you're using to design KeyGuard? So I'm leveraging a piece of, of open source free software called 
Open SCAD. It's a computer-aided design program. Um, the, the magic about Open SCAD is that it doesn't, you're not interacting with a, a visual representation of the thing you're modeling like you would in Tinkercad. You're, um, you're writing code, software code, that then tells OpenSCAD to create this shape. Mm -hmm. And so I have a fair amount of code that creates various shapes depending on what options you choose from a set of pull downs, um, sliders, and, and some text boxes you can type into. Gotcha. Okay. Th that totally resonates with me now. And it makes also makes me understand where my limitations would be and why I couldn't just throw something into Tinkercad and try and like stretch it a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And move it around. Um, instead, it would, what I'm hearing is maybe a meeting with the person who would be helping with the key guard they would answer, they might ask me a bunch of questions and I'd say it needs to be this long. It needs to have this, the grid size or these sizes. It needs to have this thickness. And then that designer would then write the code. Right. And let's, there's the user of the, of the key guard designer, but I, I, don't, I don't want people to think that you have to go work with someone. I have complete confidence, Chris, that you could figure out how to choo choose something from a pull-down list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as you choose that that option, my keyguard designer program recreates or creates that that design in front of you. And you say, yeah, that looks right. Let me let me go ahead and, and create an STL file for that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the analogy here would be um if I was going to a company that was uh going to do the laser cut. I answer a series of questions through dropdowns that eventually lead me to, yep, that all looks right. Submit, pay my 75 to $150. Uh, and then I get something in the mail. And that seems analogous to what you're saying is, is a series of questions with pull down answers. I answer those appropriately. And then I hit done and I see a visual representation and it creates an STL file that I could then print. Close for free. enough. Close <laughs> enough. Yep. Okay, cool. And that's all on volkswitch.org. Uh, you would download my designer and run it on your PC right now. Gotcha. It's like an executable file. So I download it, install it on my computer, and then go use it. Kind of. Kind of. It's two parts. You download OpenSCAD. You download my... It's like I, what I tried to describe it. Imagine you had Excel. You purchase Excel. In this case, you're getting a free copy of OpenSCAD. But you're you get a copy of Excel... Then someone gave you a, an Excel spreadsheet that is that is uh, pur purposely designed to help you plan your retirement. You load that into Excel. You put some things in some boxes. It tells you whether you're on track or not. So OpenSCAD is like Excel, and my designer is like that pre-laid out spreadsheet for you to use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, that totally makes sense to me. And then getting back to the options, still, all right, I... I'm downloading and I'm trying to create it, but you know what? I don't want to spend the time or I don't have the time. Or like you said, Ken, I don't have a 3D printer. Yes, it'd be great if I could go to my school or go to my library, but maybe I'm in a place that that's just not an option. Um, I go to Michael, I go to the Etsy store and be like, well, I can still get it. There's a, there's another option for me where I can just pay for it. Yes. 
Yeah, and I think the whole goal here was just to make key guards, you know, more accessible. If you can't, um, you know, like you were saying, print the key guard on your own or, you know, find another way to get it. I wanted to make it an option here, too, for, you know, parents, families, schools to, you know, get key guards because we know they're so important. And we know that, you know, the 3D printed ones, you know, are very similar to the laser cut. And they do, you know, have that same durability, that same function, you know, they're lightweight and and they really do, you know, amazing things. And I think my mom, Christine, can talk a, a little bit about this, too, as she's using some of the key guards that we print here um, in, in her practice and with some of her students. So, you know, if you want to. Yeah. Talk about Christine, it. tell us some experiences you've had with the key guards. They've been really fantastic. I mean, Ken, you know, you're just amazing, Ken. I mean, seriously. I, I recommended specific cases uh, because I'm very particular about my iPad case, you know, for, for kids that use AAC. Um, I want to have a specific stand that the child can independently um, manipulate without needing someone else. I want a stand that's durable. It's not going to break off. Um, and when it comes to key guards, um, it's really important to be able to get that key guard out of the case. I can't tell you how often, and I made the mistake when I first ordered my first few key guards, um, I got the slide in tabs that slide underneath the case and the case was a hard plastic, which meant that I needed to, to dismantle the entire case in order to get the key guard out, which is really not functional. I mean, you need to clean, you need to clean the, the screen and also for programming. A lot of times, you know, once you pull up your menu, it doesn't line up with the key guard anymore. So to me, um, I really liked this type of design that uh, would be like a slide underneath design, but I wanted to be able to get the key guard out. So there's a specific case that I really like that I recommended to Ken, um, which is rubber around it. And I have gotten key guards from the commercially available, you know, um, options for that. And it's worked, but, you know, it was, didn't really fit really perfectly. And now Ken, he got the, the same cases. And the key guard fits like a glove. I mean, it fits so well. It fits better, you know, than the other one. So it's um, it's been it's really been wonderful, you know, to to have this as an option. And I just want to add that when Ken was talking about the whole design thing, I mean, I don't know, you know, Chris. I know you're into this stuff, but for me, it's like a totally foreign language. And I'm sure for a lot of your listeners, it's like. What? Like you just lost me, you know? So that's why I really wanted, you know, specific grids, specific configurations, just print and go. However, those key guards need to be used with, with the specific cases. You know, they're designed for, but this, the cases are very inexpensive. They're $17 on Amazon, you know? So sometimes people say, oh, I can't do that because I already have, you know, a specific case. Well, just get rid of it and buy another buy one of these cases. I mean, it's $17, you know, and then it's going to fit like a glove and it's going to be perfect. So, so far it's been, um, it's been absolutely wonderful. And not only did Ken make the key guard, but one, one of the cases, you know, Ken, Ken was all about let's pick cases that people have, which was, you know, a really smart idea to me. I was like, well, I want this case because I know that it's the best, you know, that I've seen. So one of the cases that Ken chose was the, um, or that he really wanted, was the case that has uh, the handle built in. It's like a foam. I'm showing you right now, but it's like it's like the foam case with the handle on the top. And I personally have not really liked this case very much because of the angle. You know, 
if you're talking about using one of these cases that has a foam handle, the handle kind of swivels, it kind of bends. Either the angle will be too flat where the key guard's gonna end up blocking the symbols underneath because if you try to put yourself in the position where your student is looking at it, or if you put it, if you put the handle upright, it's completely vertical with no support in the back. And as soon as the child pushes it too hard, it just tips over. <laughs> so I said to Ken, I'm like, you know, this is really a problem with, with this case. And this is why I don't really like it. And then I, I know there's one commercially available um, stand that somebody has made. And I was like, Ken, can you do it? Can you make a stand like this? You know, come on, we need to be able to figure this out. Ken figured it out. He figured it out. And I'm showing you right now. It's a 3D printed stand, which is put on the back of, of the case. And now it will stand at a 60 to 70 degree angle, this, this case. So Look, it's it looks awesome. like it's just screwed in. Like you, you 3D print it's, it. Yeah. What is, what is it called? Like eyelets or something? Ken, what, are, what do you use? So they're, I guess, formally called uh, Chicago screws. They're used in belt, belt and other kind of leather uh, work. Yeah, well, they work perfectly. And um, so one of Michael's <laughs> options in his store, you know, that's why Michael sells bundles because I'm like, you know what, make it easiest, easiest. I mean, we'll, you know, you'll buy the, the case on wherever we buy the, you know, Amazon or whatever, and then put everything together. And for this case, he's, he's 3D printing one of these and, and, putting this on as well, you know, but this is a great option. And this is gonna, this is also on Ken's website. So this is a wonderful addition, even if you don't use a key guard, but you use this case. Awesome, awesome. All right, so uh, let me see if I got this straight. So, or let me see if there's one last uh, consideration here. So I go to the website, I find um, that uh, none of the, th what I'm looking for is not listed there. I can get the software and I can create it myself. But again, Christine, what I'm hearing you say is that still might be complicated for, for some people or they might not have the time for it. And they might not know somebody that they could like, hey, buddy, can you help me do this, right? Um, so then the next, so, so those are sort of like, maybe, no, it's not working, it's not working. But, oh, let me go to the Etsy store and look for either an individual or a bundle that might uh, help me get that. And if they still don't, can't find what they're looking for, can they contact you? What what's their what do you think is their next move? I think I think our goal was that eventually Michael would uh, offer custom designs as well. So they yeah. could reach out and make a request to you, Michael, and then you could customize something and sell it to them. Yeah, I think that's the next step right now. Um, as I mentioned, we're just doing the the 10.2 iPads right now, since that's what's already on. Um, the website, you know, we have the uh, Proloquo to go, TD Snap, Speak for Yourself, Lamp Words for Life, Cough Drop, Grid. Um, touch Chat Word Power. Touch Chat Word Power. So I mean, all the big ones that I've seen, you know, with with many symbols on the page um, mm -hmm. are, are, are really there. Um, and for, for custom things, I think, you know, I, I don't know. I think eventually, hopefully, Michael will have the time for that. I mean, he's also a full-time student at Cornell, yeah. and he does a lot of stuff besides this. So, you know, hopefully he he will. But at least we have the the top players right now. We really do. So I, I hope so, at least. 
And if not, if people reach out to him and say, I have this particular configuration, um, maybe Ken can make a design for that one. You know, yeah. what do you think, Ken? <laughs> it's possible. Uh, it's always possible. Uh, the other thing I would say is that is that uh, I don't want to put I don't want to put uh, Michael on the spot. So yes, there are other people that you can turn to. I mean, again, you can turn to your your AT provider within your school district. Um, I have I have I I say that it can be done. I know you can do it, Chris, because I'm already working with a number of of um, therapists, speech language pathologists, typically who uh, are calling me because they want additional functionality in the designer. So it is it is doable. Uh, but the other thing I, I think is possible is I would love to see more parent groups associated with programs, and even say, hey, in the parent group, is there a parent who would be willing to? to learn this software, produce the designs. Um, because uh, I give a whole presentation on 3D printed key guards as your gateway to 3D printed assistive technology. Because there's such a huge cost savings in 3D printed key guards over commercial key guards, that difference there, uh, you can pay for multiple 3D printers with just a few key guard purchase or few key guard uh, creations rather than purchases. And then once you have access to the 3D printer, now you've got access to just an incredible list of, uh, of 3D printable assistive technology that just becomes immediately available to you. Ken, I, I absolutely love what you're saying there is that there's a community of people out there that are that are eager to help but don't know how to help. And they the whole maker movement was born out of people kind of getting together in their garages and making stuff and then all and with the stuff they had on hand just to to solve problems or make it to make it, you know. Um, and so this is just an extension of that. And I love what you said there. There's parents that might not be able to help in certain ways, like volunteering in the classroom, but oh, you know what? At night I could maybe work on this 3D printing project. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then an extension on that is you mentioned it too. There are all of these STEM clubs, classes, students that are that are looking for stuff to make. And again, I'll just reiterate it, rather than making the Yoda head or the keychain. I just love you mentioned the keychain because it's like it's what everybody does. Let's let's work on this instead, right? Here's an authentic problem with an authentic client um, who could really help. Um, and could really save a lot of money and time rather than printing some sort of doodad. Right, and I, I want to extend that, that thought even further, Facebook groups. Uh, there are a ton of Facebook groups associated with 3D printing, 3D printing in general, 3D printing for every type of 3D printer in every country. There are so many of these groups and yeah, they you, you'll see pictures of them and they'll have just so much kitsch on the shelves behind them. And uh, if you were to post into one of those groups, especially as a as a therapist, if you were to post into there, say, I need some help getting this printed. Is there anyone out there who print it? You're just going to get overwhelmed with people who are who love their printer, but they're tired of making more and more uh, Millennium Falcons. That kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, so, all right, with, l- l- let me just see, the, the website is volkswitch.org, right? Two S's. Two S's. We'll make sure we have it in the show notes for everybody. And Michael, what's your website again? Um, well, it's on Etsy. Um, so if you just um, search up Etsy.com, uh, the website, you can uh, just search the shop name, which is Adapted Creations, and it's one word. Awesome. And then um, are there any sort of final thoughts we have for everybody? Um, I just wanted to like also like reiterate, um, you know, Ken was so important for making all this happen. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, thank him so much you know, here and for, for everyone to hear that this is such like a monumental, you know, add on to assistive technology and making. And I think, you know, there's going to be like a lot more discussion related to this, but to also, you know, have key guards, which are so important for day-to-day use for, you know, people with disabilities and, you know, be, um, using independent communication, having everything on the website, Ken's website, and also having these designers on the open SCAD, which you talked about. Um, you know, I've looked at those um, a little bit more. I'm trying to, you know, learn them um, a little bit more, especially going up to school again. You know, I want to, you know, hopefully like lend out some toys and, you know, I created an organization up at, at school, um, And, you know, I want to do this up at school, too. And I think, you know, a lot of people are really interested in this. And so to have, you know, a program on there and to have these drop down menus and see, you know, a key guard, you know, to the side of it being, you know, built as you put in new dimensions and having it, you know, easy to do instead of just, you know, blindly going into 3D printing and trying to making it on your own. I just want to thank Ken, you know, so much for doing all this and for volunteering all his time. Um, and making this a thing, it's, it really is amazing. And, you know, we just can't thank him enough for it. Christine, any final thoughts? No, I think, um, I think that's it. I just, I just think, I think it's, you know, it's, it's really exciting, um, to just have all of these different options now that are just ready to print. Um, so I hope people are going to take a look at, um, at Ken's website. And if you have a, a, a printer with large enough bed, you know, check that first. Um, and try it out. Um, and if you don't, and if you want to purchase, and you know, you can go to Michael's Etsy store. But the great thing is that uh, that it's available. It's available, and it's easy. Easy. Yeah. I'm all about easy. <laughs> Ken, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I can't close here without thanking Christine as well, because it never would have occurred to me to do this. And if it had occurred to me, I would have immediately thrown it out because I would have figured it was impossible for me to do because I didn't have anyone who had the background and was willing to make the decisions. Awesome. It takes a team. It takes a team, right? So fantastic. This is a fantastic team. Thank you for volunteering your time to come on the podcast to talk about it. And um, I am eager to go play because I am in in my neck of the woods. We do have sort of a, a standard key, no, a standard case that we use that is not on the website so something i really learned about today is being hmm, yeah i could use this software and and maybe try and uh it, it has been a roadblock for me so i am eager now it's really opened the door for me and that's going to just help so many kids from there so thank you thank you so much for creating it and, and for your for your efforts in in making this um something that's low cost for people it's really uh it's really appreciative thank you hey, chris uh Feel free to contact me because you have a megaphone of a kind and I I want to get the word out. So I want to support you as much as possible in becoming uh, adept at, at using designers like this. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ken. I appreciate it. But thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris.